Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on, why don't you guys give Jesus some praise for what He's doing around the world. He's, he is changing lives through you around the world. We just wanted you to see a little bit of that, and that's called Vapor Ministries. And every time that you give here, every time that you uh, are moved with generosity, the reality is you're, you're really going around the planet. And so uh, there's, a, there's a passport on everything that you're doing here, and uh, it's affecting lives. And so I'm getting a little feedback on my microphone. I don't know if you can help me with that. The, the, the reality is that God is working through you. You have a partnership and a calling from God and uh, it's not just Knoxville, it's the planet. And so I'm so thankful and grateful uh, for your generosity and just the heart to, to change the world. We're in a, we're in a book called Hebrews, and uh, we're, we're talking about this, a series called Anchored. Come on, how many know we need an anchor right now? We need an anchor. Come on, how many? We need an anchor in this time, right? Can we just give Jesus praise for being the anchor of our life? He is the only anchor that we need to hold to. We're looking at him through the book of Hebrews and, and who he is and, and how sufficient he is. And I think it's very easy in our lives to get pulled uh, in different directions and to trust in and to hold on to some things that maybe aren't him. And so if you're new to our community, every week we gather around the word of God. Uh, we don't gather around a philosophy. We don't gather around principles. Those are great, but we gather around a person named Jesus. And we lift Jesus up and we believe that he's alive and that he's well and that he's living and he's seated by the right hand of God. He's not freaking out in this hour. He's not running around scared. We don't need to be. And uh, he is in the presence of God praying for you and I daily, making intercession. And so it's powerful to know that he changes lives today. He's here and anything can happen in your life. He's here and he can do miracles. If you're online and you're watching online, he is here, he's there with you, and anything can happen right there where you're listening from. I don't know if you're watching on an iPad, an iPhone, on your computer, whatever it might be, he is there and he can change lives. I just think sometimes we just expect it to be, you know, church is normal or life is normal, and God is trying to get your attention every single second and give you signs that heaven is real, that he's calling your name, and that he's got a purpose for you. I'm going to jump into chapter 3 today in, in, in Hebrews, and uh, you guys ready for the word today? I'm glad that you're hungry. I'm, I'm doing a little bit different in this series, just going through different chapters of the book and uh, one by one, and I'm not going to get through um, a lot of chapters. I'm going to do chapter three today. That's really all we're going to look at in one verse in chapter four. So far, we've looked at chapter one and where, where Paul is speaking to the Hebrew Christians. They were holding on to the law. They were holding on to legalism still. They were holding on to temple worship still, and they were holding on to Jesus. They had gotten saved. They had given their life to Christ, but they just added Jesus to other traditions and other areas of their life. So they're falling back into putting trust in other things besides Jesus. So Paul in chapter one is proving Jesus is superior. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is sufficient for everything in our life. Don't look to anything else. Stop looking at other stuff. He is sufficient. When we're, when we're looking at pandemics and we're looking at the news and we're looking at politics and we're looking at our opinions and our preferences, he is sufficient. He's sufficient. Chapter two, he becomes a man. Paul says he's a man. Not only is he supreme, not only is he sufficient, he is actually a man. He has to prove that he's a man. He is created as a man. He's all man. If you, if you know this, Jesus never did any miracles as God. He did all of his miracles as a man empowered by the spirit of God. How do I know that? Because he never did a miracle until the Holy Spirit came upon him. 
He never worked a miracle until he went into the wilderness and came out in the power of the Spirit. Why is that the template? Because so you and I would realize and understand that it's not some super being that does miracles and walks in power on the planet. It's a man or woman empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so that you have the same access and availability to the power and the Spirit of God for you to walk in what God's designed you to do. He's a man. He was all man. Therefore, he understands and sympathizes with what you go through on a daily basis. And therefore, since he can sympathize with you and he can understand what you go through, he can actually help you. And that's what Paul's teaching in chapter two. And then in chapter three, we get this dialogue. I'm going to go verse one through six, and then I'm going to go through the entire chapter. So you're going to have to listen fast and stick with me. And then we're going to worship Jesus at the end of this. So y'all good with that? Chapter three, verse one. Therefore, holy brethren. Somebody look at somebody and say, you holy. Look at the other person and say, I know you don't believe it. But you holy. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of this heavenly calling, partakers, participants, participators of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one, capital one, has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken of afterward. But Christ as a son over his house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing hope of him to the end. My title today is A Son or a Servant. Are you a son or a servant? Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you've invited us into sonship, into daughterhood, into family, into being part of your family. Thank you that you became human, that you became a man. God, that you became a man and that you lived amongst us. You tabernacled amongst us and that you gave us your life. And you said that you'd walk amongst us and you'd live in us. Thank you for being in us today and amongst us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. A son or a servant. Uh, years ago, growing up, my dad was in furniture uh, business, and so he owned a little furniture store, a small one in Radcliffe, Kentucky. I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, so don't hold that against me. I am a Louisville Cardinals fan. I'm also a UT fan, and, uh, and, and I love both of them. And so, so as, a, as a Louisville guy, we'd go to Radcliffe out there near Fort Knox, this little store, and probably growing up, I'm, I'm probably five, uh, and my brother's three, and, and during the time of five, to, five and three, or, and, and five and seven in those time frames, uh, as we my brother and I are two years apart. We'd go to the store. Dad would take us out there, and they had salespeople there. And, and man, come on, a furniture, a furniture store is like a dream to a seven-year-old somebody. Come on. It's like now that I'm like 46 and my wife wants to go to a furniture store, I'm like, dear God, save me and take me to heaven. You know what I mean? I do. This is hell, right? And so, but now, but back at seven, it, it, was, it was heaven. Like, like you have all the beds, hide and go seek. We're jumping on beds. We're running through the store. We're, and, and I mean, it's just a blast, man. There's this little Coke machine I remembered in the break room. It's a little special way you could hit the button and reach in there. And we grab Cokes. My brother and I taking Cokes out, jumping on beds. My dad owned the store. We're having a blast. I mean, we weren't breaking anything or causing any havoc. We're just having fun running around the store. All the other employees of the store would get angry at my brother and I. I could feel they would just be mad that we were allowed to run around and do what we were doing. And, and you could just feel it. But when their kids showed up and their kids were at work with them they, and they hung out with us, they got to run around the store. We're jumping on beds. We're playing hide and go seek. It's the, it's the, they're having the most fun they could ever have. But when we weren't there, their kids were sitting in a little break room on their hands. Don't stop, quit, sit up, don't stop, quit. 
And, and the other employees were not mad because we were doing anything wrong. They were mad because of the access that we had to the store. They were mad at the, at the freedom that we had in the environment. And, and, and the other kids that, that weren't with us didn't have that same type of freedom because their parents or their father didn't own the store. And what Paul is saying here is he's contrasting Jesus and Moses, so a servant in Moses and Jesus who owns the store, who you're related to. So, so your big brother's running around, hanging out, having fun with life, empowering you. And, and he's saying, Moses was a servant and you've been following the servant and the law and the don't and the stop and the quit and the sit down and, 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 and sit up and do right. And, and Jesus, you have access to who is sufficient and supreme and superior who owns the whole store. And you can actually have freedom in that environment and love and joy and peace and fun and life. He says, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, Consider means this, take a good look at Jesus. Take a good look and grow from. Consider that he's the centerpiece. He's superior. He's sufficient. He sympathizes with you. He's a son. You're in the family. Jump on the bed a little bit. Have fun in life. You've got grace. You're part of the family. You've got a calling from God. Holy brethren, family, holy brethren. That language, you're brethren with God. You, you, you have a heavenly calling from God, partakers of a heavenly calling. I just want to encourage you, relax a little bit today in this Christian thing. Run around the store a little bit. Have fun with God. Have, enjoy your freedoms in God. I'm not saying go and live crazy and sin and do all, That's not what I mean. I'm just saying that so often we live our life. Don't, stop, quit, sit up. Don't, stop, quit. Can't, can't enjoy that. If you're a Christian, you know, don't do that. You're a Christian. Don't, stop, quit. It's like, man, that's not, that's not what it is in Jesus. And Paul is saying that we actually have access. You can write this down. A son has access to things a servant never will. Some of you are living your life as a servant in this Christianity thing. And God's elevated you to sonship. When it comes to servanthood, we serve humanity. When it comes to God, we sit in sonship. And so as our relationship to God, you have access to things that you could never imagine. Verse 1 says, holy brethren, you're part of the family. You're holy. You might not feel holy today, but you're holy. And, and it's contrary sometimes. I know you might have messed up yesterday. You're holy. Holy brethren in Jesus, you're holy. Well, I'm not, I did this and I did that. You're holy. And, and as you see yourself different, you'll live different. If you see yourself a certain way, that's what you'll walk out. Paul's saying, holy brethren, this is, you're the family of God. You have access as a son or daughter. Listen to me. Years ago, my brother grew up with my mom. I grew up with my dad. We went on a trip one time, and we stayed in some really bad hotels. It was just my brother and I. We stayed in a, in a hostel, and we, I got bed bugs in a hostel. And so I don't know if you've ever had bed bugs. I don't, you don't have to admit it, okay? But, it, but I was in another country, and I got bed bugs, right? And so, and so I, I had my dad's credit card, and I didn't use it except for emergency. It's like, hey, use this in case of emergency, son, right? And so I had the credit card. My brother grew up with my mom. I grew up with my dad. And so, and so I had a different relationship with my father. And so we're going through, I get bed bugs. The next town we go to stay in, I whip that thing out and we get a five-star hotel with a buffet, baby. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I had bed bugs. I justified that. I'm like, this is, this is payback. It was five stars, man. It was per, I don't even know what it was per night. I just put the credit card down. My brother, after, the, after we did that, my brother looked at me. He says, we can do that? <laughs> I was like, I can't, I don't know about you, but, but, but the reality is you're living in a way with your father in heaven where you're going, can I do that? 
Like, is that like, and, and as a servant, it's like you, have, you don't have access to what you would as a son. Anytime you have an access issue to the promises of God, it's really a root of an identity issue. Anytime you're wondering what you can have access to in the Bible and what God says, it's not just an access issue, it's an identity issue. And so you have access, you're a partaker, the Bible says, partakers of heavenly callings, a participant in a heavenly calling. What's that? In chapter 2, verse 10, it says that Jesus is called to bring many sons to glory. Your participation in a heavenly calling is to bring family members to heaven that you participate and you invest your life into actually uh, bringing people to the kingdom of God, bringing souls into the kingdom. You have this heavenly calling on the planet. Your purpose is bigger than this planet. Many of us go day by day by day and we think it's all our calling down here and, and there are callings, but the ultimate calling is a heavenly calling. Heaven is actually calling you day in and day, day out. There's this ringing from heaven. You ever had anything call your name? You ever had like, come on somebody, you ever had a food call your name? Chick-fil-A ever called your name? I just put Chick-fil-A in a food group right there. Chick-fil-A is a food group. It calls your name on Sunday. Calls your name on Sunday. Today, spicy chicken sandwiches. Chicken tenders, little minis. You know, I'm, you're going to hate me all day long. You're going to leave here and you're like, man, it's closed. It's calling your name. Heaven's calling your name. Heaven's trying to get a hold of your attention. Heaven's calling you. A lot of times I think that heaven's calling us and we're hitting decline or we're, or we're, or we're actually answering the call on all these other things that are trying to get our attention or, or we're putting heaven on hold. Come on, I've got a little picture for you. You guys know if you have an iPhone, check out this little picture real quick. This is what happens when you're on the phone. I think we have it. You're, I think we have it. There it is right there. You're on the phone, right? And you've got these options. When you're talking to heaven, you have a heavenly calling. And all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, heaven, what's up? You're holy brethren. You're partaker. You're a son. You have access. You have joy. We've got connect group training. You've got generosity. And you can give offerings into the world and change the world. You can get connected and build relationships. You can, and then, okay, oh, 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 hold on, hold on. Some, hold and accept. Oh, oh, fear? Oh, yeah. oh no, no, I'm called by God. No. And we, we begin to put heaven on hold. And we allow other things, depression, isolation. Oh, isolation, insecurity. Oh, no one's going to like me. I can't lead a connect group. I, oh, I can't get, I can't, I'm just going to stick to my, my, I'm not, oh, I can't get on a serve team. No, 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 no. I know, oh, I'm a partaker of heavenly calling. Oh, wait, let me just put serve team on hold for a minute. <laughs> I'm going to get in for worship. I'm going to get out because it feels good and I'm insecure and I don't know. And we, we're putting things on hold that God's asking us not to put on hold. And I would just encourage you, quit, quit putting heaven on hold. What is God asking you to do? I, don't, I mean, I know what he's asking us to do here as a church. We have you know, serving the community and getting on teams and plugging in and being a part. I see so many of you here. I would love for you to be a part, get on teams, plug. There's a, there's a heavenly calling. Do you know your heavenly calling is connected to God's house? It is not just here, but there's a huge connection to your heavenly calling and the house of God and what that looks like for you. And so I would just say, don't, don't just put it on hold. Here, here's a big part of it. Jesus says this, I want you to know you have a heavenly calling. And then he says this, consider the apostle and high priest of your confession. The, the, consider Jesus the apostle. Apostle just means ambassador. 
Consider means grow from, learn from. Not just look at, grow from, learn from, grow from. Look at Jesus, consider Jesus, the apostle, the ambassador, and the high priest. What's that? The representation of you to God. The, the ambassador and the high priest, the representative to you, of you to God. He's the sent one. Apostle means sent one. The ambassador, the sent one, and the representative of you to God. The, the representative and sent one of what? Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, of our confession. Paul's saying that Jesus is the representation and the apostle and the sent one and the ambassador of your confession. He's saying that he's taking what you're saying to God. So, so often we're putting heaven on hold and we're not confessing who we really are. And we're not saying who we are called to be in God. We're answering the phone and fear's calling and depression's calling and greed is calling and distraction is calling and, and, and insecurity and isolation and, and excuses and all the other things are calling so often. And the reality is Paul says, look to Jesus and grow and consider that he's actually taking what you're saying and what you're confessing up to God. A lot of times we're trying, it, we don't get it that way. Like Jesus is only representing what you're saying to the Father. And so as you begin to actually grow from, learn from, consider who you are, you're in the family. You're a son or daughter. You have access. This changes your prayers. It changes your relationship to God. You begin to have this confidence in this representation of who you are. You're holy. You're acceptable. You're walking in an acceptance and understanding that you are family, that you're accepted, that you can jump on the bed a little bit, that you don't have to sit on your hands and shut up. Come on, God's got a purpose and a call for y'all. Is this, this making sense at all? I think, I think sometimes the word confession, you know what the word confession means? It means to agree with. Like as Christians, we have a confession. It's not just what we say, it's our life. Like, I confess that I need Jesus. I confess that I need salvation. I confess that, that it's better to, to give than receive. I confess that who the sun sets free is free indeed. I, conf I say the same thing. I agree with the word. He's saying that he's actually representing your agreement with him to God. That as you agree with God, what the word says, that all of a sudden Jesus begins to actually Say yes. I'm just, I wrote some of this down. Let's decline fear and accept faith. Let's decline greed and accept generosity. Let's decline insecurity and accept that I'm a son or daughter in the family. Let's decline sin. Come on, you're on the phone with purity. Yeah, what's up, heaven? And pornography's calling. Come on, I'm gonna get in your mess today. Let's decline pornography. Uh, you're on the phone with, 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 with your connect group leader and that little girl from your DMs is calling you. Let's decline that little girl from the DMs, somebody. Let's decline that dude that you just met two days ago. Come on. Let's decline some things that are calling us that you know you should be hitting decline to and accept the responsibility, accept humility, decline pride, accept the word of God, decline worry. You're, I know I'm sticking here, but you have a calling. You have a calling from heaven. And it's to agree with what the Bible says about you. And I just encourage you to begin to confess that, consider that, speak to that. Because here's what's real. Your heavenly calling makes your earthly calling possible. If you're a believer, your heavenly calling and your heavenly call from God makes your earthly calling powerful. 
And so I want to make sure that we get the phone and we get the right line and we're called. Paul begins to compare Christ to Moses. He doesn't put Moses down, but he actually says, listen, Jesus deserves more honor. Christ is superior. Why? Because he built the house. He's the son. Moses is the servant. Moses represented the law, the Ten Commandments, the tabernacle, the high priest, all things that were servants that all meant now to transition us to the son, Jesus. And there's many times that we kind of get stuck on the tutor. The law was the tutor to bring us to Jesus. It was to train us. It was to actually tell us, stop, quit, don't, stop, quit. They actually had in Roman times a tutor that would follow around rich children. And the tutor would train these children until they were able to be presented to the father. And the law would actually tell them day and they'd have a little stick. And the tutor would carry them around, stop, don't, sit up. It was always constantly training and chastising and working on their behavior until one day they could be presented to the Father. The law, is that was the purpose of the law, to train us, chastise, stop, quit, don't. But now it's presented us and God has presented us to his son. And we're presented perfect and acceptable by Jesus to the Father. And so Moses represents that and now we get to walk in Christ. The law keeps you in check. It doesn't do any any internal work in your heart. So if you're making more rules in your marriage, if you're making more rules in your, in your life, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm just going to pray harder and I'm just going to work harder. Come on, listen to me. You're just, you, you need a deeper relationship with Jesus. And I think more people are asking me in this hour, like, what do we do? I'm like, we have to hear Jesus. We have to hear Jesus. Like, what are we supposed to do? All the different things. I'm just, I'm just determined. I can't do anything unless I hear Jesus. I don't want law. I don't want, I told somebody the other day, I'm out of good ideas. Anybody out of good ideas? I need Jesus, man. I need to hear from heaven. That's the point. We have access. I have access to joy and a heavenly calling, not just more rules. Let me say it this way. Law makes you live like Jesus isn't around. This should be on your screen. Legalism lives when Jesus isn't allowed to. It's easy to make rules. It's easy to put down the law, it's e- but, but Jesus isn't around that. And so we love to have the list and have the rules. Legalism actually lives like Jesus isn't alive. Verse four, for every house is built by someone. I got a few minutes with you. I hope y'all stick with me. For, verse four, I got to go to verse 18, okay? <laughs> verse four, for every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. He's saying, look, your daddy owns the house. Your daddy built the house. He owns it. That you have a relationship. You can enjoy this freedom, this life. Verse six, the son is building the house whose we are if we hold fast our confidence in the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. He's saying, keep a tight grip on Jesus. Quit looking to other stuff besides Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew, I will build my house. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You are the house. You're the house. He says in verse six, Jesus is building the house. You're the house. Here's the confidence I have. You don't take care of my house, I do. Because I own it. I, t- I got rid of all the cobwebs the other day. I put a shower in the basement with, with Aunt. You helped me take care of Aunt, Your husband helped me put, not Annie, your husband helped me put the shower in the basement. There. And your father, we put the shower in the, I take care of them. I paid for that. I helped them. They came and helped me. It was, it was, I take care of my house. When I was in Charlotte, I had a landlord and I called the landlord to fix stuff in the rental house. They would never fix it. Finally, I found the owner. I got a hold of him. He lived in California. I told him this was going on. He goes, my gosh, I'm sorry. And he, everything was fixed from there on out once I got a hold of the owner. 
What, what I'm telling you is that you actually have access to the owner. The law is the landlord and Jesus is the owner and you can have confidence that he's gonna build your life. You can have confidence that he's gonna work out your heart. He's gonna work out your relationships. He's gonna work out your situation. He's gonna work out the pandemic. He's gonna work out this school year. He's gonna work out your children. He's, you can be confident of that if you hold tight to him. Because the temptation is to try to go to other things to get fixes in your life. But Jesus is actually the owner is what this says. You can rely on him and hold to him, but nothing else. Don't hold to anything else. They were beginning to lose their confidence that God cared about them. That's what was happening in Hebrews. They were going through persecution. They were going through pandemic. I don't know what kind. They were going through situations and circumstances, and they felt like Jesus didn't really care anymore he didn't have their best interest. Anybody ever felt like that? They thought Jesus was going to come back quickly and, and, the, and, the, and the return was delayed. And so here's these Hebrew Christians going, is this all real? And they began to look to other stuff to serve them. I wrote this down. This is simple stuff, but it's on the screen. This is the book of Hebrews. Only Jesus can build the life God intends for you. Only Jesus can build the life that God intends for you. And I promise you, you can be as successful as you can be down here on this planet but if it's not the voice of God and the voice of Christ, it's not gonna be what God intends for you. Verse seven through 11, he quotes Psalms 95. He says that Israel messed up in the wilderness and didn't believe God. He gives us this, this account in chapter three and four, but this is what it says in verse nine and 10. It says this, where our fathers tested him, all about being a son, all about trusting the father, all about knowing that God's got it taken care of in Jesus. Verse nine and 10, where your fathers tested me, tried me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. He's saying that, listen, they wanted it their own way. They wanted to live it their own way. They didn't want my way. They didn't want to know what I wanted as God. And they, and they always complained and wanted their own way. He said this, so they shall not rest. They won't rest because they want their own way. They don't want my way. It says, the fathers tested me and tried me. He's referring to the test when they asked for water three times. In Exodus and Numbers, if you know the story, they came up to water. They thought they were going to die. Remember the children of Israel came out of Egypt. The devil was defeated. They're in the new promised land with God. He's leading them. And they're like, you're going to kill us, God. You don't care about us, God. I can't believe this is happening in the earth, God. I can't believe everything's going on. I'm reading the news, God. I can't believe that dude's running the earth and I can't believe that dude's running the planet and I can't believe this is happening. I can't, God, do you even care? And God, do you care about the planet? And God, do you care? God, we don't, do you care? We're going to die. We had family members die and we're going to die. Do you care, God? And they complain about water. Literally, what does water represent? Life and rest. How often does God do so many things in our life and then we complain about life and rest and life and God, do you care? And God, are you there? And God, are you, is it, what, what do you even, are you even around? They start complaining three times they complain. Listen, real quick. The first time they complain, the water's bitter. They come up to water. What happens? What does Moses do? I'm gonna teach you guys something today. You gotta listen to this. They take, Moses takes a stick and puts it in the water. And it says that the bitter waters turn sweet. It's a picture of the cross that the cross will actually remove bitterness from your life. The cross will actually remove sin and bitterness from your heart. That this cross actually changes the bitterness of our life. First time. Second time, they're complaining about water. What, is, what does God tell Moses to do? God says, Moses, strike the rock. There's a big rock called Jesus. It's following him. Moses, strike the rock. Moses strikes the rock. Water comes gushing out of it and feeds two, two three million people. Water is two or three million people. 
What an amazing story. It's, it's true. It's real. There's a rock that followed them bigger than this building, and it had water. It was Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10 says it was Jesus, and he followed them. Can you imagine doubting God in this kind of scenario? I mean, the shadow's right there. The boulder's right there. And, they, and, and so, so Moses hits it, and water comes out. The third time that they tested God in this with water, he, God is talking about when they went to, uh, in Numbers 20, when they wouldn't enter the promised land. And they look at the enemy, they look at his size and his power, and they look at their own resources. They begin to doubt whether God cares for them, that they can actually go do what God called them to do. And so they say, we're going to die and we're, we need water. So God speaks to Moses the third time. And he says, Moses, this is what I want you to do. I want you to speak to the rock. And this is what Moses does. So Moses says, here now, you rebels, do we have to bring water out of this rock? Then he struck the rock and water came out. This is actually the reason that Moses did not get to go into the promised land. Why? Not not just disobedience. The second time God said, strike the rock. The third time God said, speak to the rock. The second time is a picture of God striking Jesus that he was struck once to remove sin and and all the things that we face and to give us water and rest in life. The third time God says, now that Jesus has been stricken, I just want you to speak to him. I just want you to talk to me. The law always treats us as rebels. Moses says, you rebels. The law always will treat you as a rebel. But Jesus is just saying, if you're thirsty, I want to talk to you. If you're hungry, if you need me, I want to have a relationship. I'm a son. I'm a man. I'm God. You're my children. You have access. Just speak to me. Just talk to me. Quit being angry. Quit striking out. Quit lashing out. God's not angry. This is a relationship status with the third time. He says, just talk to me. Jesus says it, right? Anything you ask the Father in my name shall be done. Just talk to me. I think you have so many problems and I have so many problems that we don't just talk to him about. We go around striking rocks and missing our promised land. We go around striking at stuff and missing entrance into the rest and the life of God. So that's what Paul's talking about, that literally they had hardened their heart and they were not trusting Jesus. I want you to trust Jesus today. I'm gonna speed up. I got five minutes left and 35 minutes of preaching. Verse 12, he says, beware, brethren, lest you... Let's be in you an evil heart of unbelief, departing from the living God. He says Jesus is living, like he's alive. Like don't, trip, don't get tripped off course from the son that's living. Don't get tripped off by unbelief. Don't get tripped up. He's sufficient. He satisfies. Verse 13, but exhort each other daily. Everybody say daily. Exhort each other. Call each other to one side, that means. Get around each other. Get in connect groups. Sign up to lead a connect group. Don't be a stranger. Don't stay isolated. Like exhort each other daily. Call each other to one side while it is today, lest anyone be hardened by or stubborn by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin makes you stubborn. Come on, sin makes you stupid. That's one reason not to do it. Verse 14, for he became partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. He's saying, don't be a bandwagon believer. Don't jump off team Jesus when life isn't going good. Hold on to that relationship. Keep talking to him. Verse 15, today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Do not harden your hearts. You have a responsibility not to harden your heart. 
saying it's on you, don't harden your hearts. What's hardening of the arteries? Eating things and ingesting things that were never designed to go in your body. When we harden our hearts, it's because we ingest things that were never designed for our life. We're ingesting a belief system about ourselves. We're ingesting other voices about ourselves. We're ingesting things that are contrary to our design. You're a son. You have access. You're, you're holy. You're a partaker of a heavenly calling. You have a call from God. And when you begin to ingest other stuff, if you begin to ingest apathy and laziness, and I don't want to pray, and I don't want to read the Bible, and I don't want to exercise, and I don't want to get into the Word, and I don't, and I don't want to, and I don't want to hear what God says about me, and I don't want to forgive, and I don't want to love people. And we begin to harden our hearts. And he's saying, listen, that there's a design of your life as a son or daughter that beats preference. Design trumps preference. Come on, I love to sleep in somebody, but I'm designed to work out. I love to eat McDonald's, but I don't do that anymore. I I love orange juice, but I don't put it in my car to run my car on it because it'll kill the engine. He's saying, don't harden your heart. Only begin to ingest things that actually match up to who Jesus says you are. Listen to his voice, verse 16. For having heard rebelled, was it not all who came out of Egypt? Everybody led by Moses. They were led by law and they all rebelled. When you're led by law, you can't help but rebel. Close your eyes right now real quick. Don't think about a big red ball. Nobody in here did not not think about a big red ball. Everybody thought about a big red ball. It's impossible when the law tells you not to do something that you actually can actually do that. Verse 17, it says they all died. Verse 18, it says he, he, he swore that they would not enter rest, but those who did not obey. It, listen, it, it, the word obey is where we get the word believe. It doesn't mean follow a list of rules. It means believe in Jesus. They didn't enter rest because they didn't believe. I know I'm, I'm preaching to the, to the choir today, but... I just want you to believe greater in what God and Jesus are doing in this hour. I need an anchor. You need an anchor. I know you do, because I do. I was looking up at the sky last night. There was a big opening in the clouds. I was like, come on, Jesus. Could you just get back down here? (laughs) It's like, come on, Lord. But the reality is he's in you and I. And we have as much access to the Father as he did. And there's no difference in you and Jesus. You've been empowered with the Holy Spirit. You're his brother and you're his sisters, you're his brothers. And we need him to anchor us today. It says that all those that didn't interest or those that didn't believe, but I'm not gonna stop right there. I wanna go one more verse. Verse one in chapter four, it says, therefore I say all that, everything I've said today, I say because of this, Paul said, since a promise remains, of entering his rest. Let us be careful lest any of us come short of it. One, one coming short of it actually means this. Let us be careful lest we suppose we miss it. They, they believed that Jesus had already returned. So there was a teaching that taught Jesus had already come back and the Christians had missed it. It actually says that would you be careful to enter into this rest, be careful that And don't suppose that God has forgotten about you. Today, I think some of you feel like God's forgotten about you. Don't suppose that God has given up on you. Don't suppose that God's forgotten about this nation. Don't suppose that God's forgotten about this planet. Don't suppose that God's forgotten about that child. Don't suppose God's forgotten about that dream or he's gone. Don't suppose that God's left you out. I 
I just, I want us to worship today and I want us to respond to God and maybe you need prayer. Our ministry team is gonna be down here and maybe you're ready to let go. Maybe you're ready to suppose that God just doesn't care about your situation. If our ministry team would come on down, we're gonna go back into just a second of worship. Some of you maybe need a fresh start with Jesus. Maybe you know you've been trusted in everything else and you've been putting faith in everything else and you haven't, you don't have rest, you don't have life because you've been kind of just wanting other things. You've been looking to the landlord and, and you've been wanting him to fix it, but only Jesus, the owner, fixes it. And today maybe is that day to go, Jesus, would you just fix my life? These guys would love to pray with you. We have communion in four areas on both sides of these walls and one in the back, one here. There's some lights over there. You can just slip out of your seat in this next song and maybe respond to God and get communion. Jesus is communion. Years ago, I was water skiing. My father and his sister were driving the boat and they looked at me and I was trying to give the sign to cut the engine and let me come pick me up. They started talking and got distracted. I got ticked off. Just let go of the rope. They kept on driving like another half mile. Couldn't even see me. I was like trying to prove a point. They come back around. He's like, what the heck? I was like, I was, like, I was trying to tell y'all to let to come get me for like an hour. Couldn't hold on any longer. I had tears in my eyes. I was probably, I don't know, 13 years old. I'm crying. Some of you are in that place right now going, God, I'm about to let go of the rope. Are you distracted? Do you hear me? Do you hear my prayer? God, how'd this happen? I'm just here to encourage you. Don't let go of the rope today. Don't throw, he's not distracted. He's not talking to somebody and distracted from your situation. And maybe you just need to walk down today and get prayer from somebody saying, God hears you. Maybe you need communion. Would you stand to your feet with me? Come on, let's just respond to God for a second. He's not distracted from your situation. Don't let go of the rope. Come on, he's saying, just speak to me. Just talk to me. Just, just, just tell me what you need. Come on, you're a son, you're a daughter today. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.